day as we've come before God Almighty, we have for our theme with faith for works of healing. We are grateful that healing is one of the benefits of the gospel. We've known that, he, uh, that the forgiveness of sins was already available to us through Jesus Christ, but we are also grateful that healing is part of that. But healing is not just the only one also. There are many things that the word salvation covers for us. It not only gives us healing, it gives us also deliverance. It talks about preservation also. It also talks about uh, protection from God Almighty, but then also it also provides for us the word provision. So basically what it talks about is that our God provided something that will cover every need that we will ever face while we are on the earth. Amen? And so, basically, it's not just with a, with a faith for works of healing, but with a faith for the meeting of every need. Amen? Our God is a great God. He's a compassionate God, and He's already foreseen whatever it is that we will be facing today. Today we meet so many needs, but one day when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back again, all of us will be living in divine health, we'll never get sick. All of us will be living in divine prosperity, we will not have any kind of lack. All of us will be living in divine freedom, there will be no kind of bondage whatsoever. Amen? But before that time comes, we have to... Uh, walk by faith in God during this particular time and uh, the different readings that we have today basically we we find here uh, the picture of a God who is merciful in the in the Old Testament reading he talks about if the stranger or the foreigner comes to God and and, and uh, uh, obeys his commandments then God says I will accept him Especially in the Old Testament, uh, the Jews were the favored people, all right? They were the people of the covenant. And yet, we see here the heart of God, especially for the entire world. And it's been revealed to us in the New Testament, the gospel is for everyone. Amen? But then it also says in the book of Romans, in the reading we have had, that God has not forgotten Israel. Okay? One day... Uh, well, actually, God is also working in their hearts right now. But one day, according to the Holy Scriptures, all of Israel will be saved. All right? So the mercy of God is there. The mercy of God is given to the Jews. The mercy of God is given to us as the Gentiles. And as we come to uh, uh, today's lesson, I believe this is what God is emphasizing to us. As His mercy reaches towards us, our faith should reach out towards Him. As His mercy reaches towards us, our faith should reach out towards Him. Okay? I don't know if you've seen that painting of Michelangelo uh, with Facebook today, you know, sometimes the pictures appear there. Uh, with the videos today, sometimes the movies uh, uh, is there, I think this is a painting that's found in, in, in the Vatican, where there's a painting of God, and he's pictured as an old man with his finger pointed like that, and then on the other side is a picture of Adam, and his finger 
is also reaching towards God. And there was a time we would say, we have to align. <laughs> Basically, what God is saying here is this. He's encouraging us to operate by faith in Him. Okay? If there were no mercy that God had given to us, there's no point in having faith. If God never gave us His mercy, if God never gave us His grace, then there's no point in having faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? You cannot uh, walk in faith for something which God has not given. Hello? You need to understand that, right? I mean, how, wh why is it that when we're meeting, when we have uh, needs, we, we have needs rather, you know, we can go to God and say, Lord, we have this need, we have to pay this. And so I'm asking you uh, for the provision for this, and I trust you for this, and I thank you, I believe I receive. Okay? And we can have faith for that and know that we will not be disappointed. Why can we do that? Because according to the Holy Scriptures, in just one of the promises of God, it says there, and my God shall what? Supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? Why is it that when someone is sick, we can come to God and, and pray for that person and believe for his healing? Because God already provided healing for us in the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. The, the Word of God tells us, surely He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was laid upon Him, and by His stripes, we are healed. See, we are not believing God for something that He has not given us. Okay? We are not uh, believing God for something that He has not provided for us. We're not believing God uh, for something that is against the will of God. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? A long time ago, I was meet, meeting with a group of ministers, and normally in the morning, at about 4 o'clock in the morning, we would have a prayer meeting, and during this particular time, I was partnered with this one particular minister and he prayed this way. See, we, we were meeting on top of a building. It was, I think, the third or the fourth floor. And underneath the building was a bank. And he prayed this way. See, we, we understood the prayer of agreement. He prays for something, I pray for something. I say amen to his prayer. He says amen to my prayer. Uh, sealing the, the, the prayer of agreement. So it was his turn to pray. He says, Father, all of our churches are in need of financial provisions for the things that we need to do. And we're looking to you for as our provider. So I said, Amen. We thank you, O God, that it is not difficult for you to meet all of those needs. I said, Amen. And then he said this, I pray that all the money in the bank will be given and distributed to our churches. And he was waiting. I was not saying amen. Okay? Why wasn't I saying amen? 
He was praying something that would require God to violate his own commandments. So we start praying. He says, well, how come you won't agree with me? I can't agree with your prayer. Number one, you're violating God's commandments. You prayed something that is against the will of God. And I can't agree to that. Okay? Well, I just prayed that the money. Exactly. Don't you realize that that money down there belongs to different people? You're asking God to become a bank robber. You're asking God to steal the money of the people and bring it to us. Let me tell you this. God can provide for us without stealing from anyone. Okay? Now, had you said, Lord, these are our needs. We pray that you would bring forth the finances and you didn't tell him how to do it because you just told him how to do it. You told him, this is how you're going to do it, Lord. You get the money from the back and you bring it to our churches. You're asking him to steal the money. You understand what I'm saying? And I cannot agree to a prayer like that. Don't tell him how to do it. God knows how to do it. Right? Sometimes when we pray to God, we think that we're also his consultants. God has to consult us because he doesn't know how to do it. We tell him how. Now, we don't have to tell him how. We can simply pray, Lord, we are believing you. You promised you would supply. And we pray that you would bring finances to the different churches represented here. I could have said, Amen. Because he was not violating anything. Another prayer that I used to do uh, way back in the 1980s. Oh God, I believe that woman is the one you called to become my partner in life. And so, Father, kill the husband so I can marry the woman. I cannot pray that prayer. I cannot agree to that prayer. You understand? Can you imagine that you're asking God to murder someone? Hello? So you can get the what? You're afraid of adultery, but you're not afraid of murder. Cannot be. You understand what I'm saying? See, God has revealed many things to us, especially through his word. And that's the reason why we have a basis for faith. Okay? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when we are putting our faith out towards God, it is faith for something that he has revealed. It's his desire to give to us. It's faith for something that he has already given to us. It's faith for something that he has already promised us. It's faith for something that he has already done for us. Amen. With his death, he has provided life. With his death, he has provided forgiveness. With his death, he has provided healing. With his death, he has provided provisions for all of these things. That's the reason why we can have faith for those things. Because God has already granted them to us. We're not asking God for something he doesn't want. We're not asking God for something it was not his will to do. We're not asking God. Okay? For something that is against the will of God. Oh God, I'm born as a man. But deep within, I think I'm a woman. Change my body. Okay? Change my DNA. 
I rebuke my testosterone. Please put in estrogen. It won't work. You understand what I'm saying? Hello? <laughs> so we need to understand that God will not change uh, His word, His will, His purposes simply because we do not agree with Him. Okay? You have to understand something here. God without us is still God. Us without Him were nothing. God will survive without us. We, without God, we cannot survive. Okay? Remember what Jesus Christ taught us in abiding in the vine. If you abide in Him, okay, you will bear fruit. He said, apart from me, separated from me, you can do what? Nothing. That's what he said. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we need to understand that, church. We, if our views, if our belief systems, if our convictions differ from, from God, we don't demand that God change. Rather, we humble ourselves before God and we say, Lord, I will change. You understand what I'm saying? Basically, uh, the, the word there also means repent, to have a change of thinking. The very first sermon of the Lord, when Jesus Christ received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, his very first sermon is this. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of God is here. Live according to the terms of the kingdom. Live according to the principles of the kingdom. Live according to the rules of the kingdom. Live according to the standards of the kingdom. You cannot live in the kingdom if you insist on your own standards. Well, God, I want to live in your kingdom, but I don't want to live in love. Cannot. Well, God, I want to live in your kingdom, but I do not want to forgive my enemy. You cannot live the kingdom of God that way. Okay? You have to change. You need to understand God is perfect. There's nothing wrong with him. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. In him there is no shadow or turning. Not even a shadow. God is perfect. If he's perfect, he doesn't need to change. Are we perfect? No, therefore we need to change, right? That's what God is wanting from us. And so basically that's what faith is. We believe what God has spoken. We believe what God has given. We believe what God has done for us. We are aligning ourselves with God. When his mercy reaches towards us, our faith reaches to him. That's the basis of our faith. God never said there would be no point in believing God for it. Now, in our gospel today, it's basically one of the short ones. Uh, there, there, there are three thoughts I'd like to share with you. One is based on verse 21 to 23. God's mercy opens the way to him. God's mercy opens the way to him. That's verse 21 to 23. The second thought I'd like to share with you is this. Verse 24 to 26. Faith with humility is how we respond to his mercy. Faith with humility is how we respond to his mercy. And then the third thing, I'm basing this in verse 27 to 28, is this. Great faith 
perseveres in holding on to his unfailing mercies. Great faith perseveres in holding on to his unfailing mercies. Let me, let me go back to the first thought. God's mercy opens the way to him. Verse 21 to 23 of Matthew chapter 15. You're learning something from this. Okay. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, the woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. Okay, what's the situation here? It says here that Jesus Christ went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. This is a non-Jewish area. This was the area where there's a lot of Gentiles. And it says here, a woman of Canaan. She's not part of God's covenant people. Okay? She was a stranger to, stranger to the covenants of God. All right? She had basically no right to the privileges and the benefits that God has given to his people. All right? But see, here, this woman, her need was great. She had a daughter, and according to her, my daughter is demonized or demon-possessed. How she recognized that, I don't know. But they have different gods. They have different Canaanite gods. And so it's not uh, going to be a wonder. But the, the, one, uh, the thing that you need, you know, the thing that, you know, when I'm reading this, she was saying the right words. Okay? She was saying, Lord. When you say Lord, that means your high, highest master. There is no other. He's saying, son of David. How how she even know about that? Okay? That there was a prophecy that the Messiah would come from the lineage of David. And then he, she said, have mercy on me. All right? For my son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. She's saying the right words. She was asking on the basis of mercy. And already there... Uh, because she was asking for it. She was not saying, I deserve this. I'm entitled to this. She understood she's not a part of that because she was not part of God's covenant people at that time. She was not a daughter. She was not considered a daughter of Abraham. How many of you have got kids? Of parents? You forgot your parents? How many of you have kids? All right. Do your kids have a right to come to your home? Do your kids have a right to eat at your table? Your kids have a right to sleep in the master's bedroom, even if they have the room for themselves. Yes, the kids, right? Your kids. But if someone from the street comes in and says, I'd like to eat at your table, does he have the right? No, he doesn't. He's a kid, but he's not your kid. Right? Uh, we just heard from the news. A 17-year-old kid named Pierre was gunned down in a drug raid. Have you heard of that? Did you cry? <laughs> did you fall down sobbing? No, you did. I did. Why didn't he? Why? His mother broke down. Why? Because that's the mom. Right? 
We felt bad that that thing happened. We felt disgusted that thing happened. We felt a sense of uh, righteous indignation, but we didn't feel the depths of the feeling of that mother because Kia is not our kid. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, so here comes the mom, her daughter. There is an emotional investment that she has here. And she was crying out. The word here, crying out, means she was screaming. She was wailing loudly. She was shouting almost scandalously. Okay? And, and the thought sometimes comes here is that she was doing this to pressure Jesus into doing something. Okay? I mean, you, you, you see this uh, working out sometimes in, in different scenarios in our nation. For example, you know, someone is there and, you know, uh, they're talking, it's nice. Uh, he's with his friends and they're having a good story of their adventures and then someone comes in and recognizes that the guy who is the Bida Bida there is someone who owes her or owes him money. And so he goes to the table and says, Hoy, magbayad ka na in the hearing of everyone. Why does he have to say that? Not privately. He wants to manipulate that person embarrass that person in front of his friends so that he would pay the money. Get it? Remember, she's a Canaanite woman. Does she know how to approach God? She knows only how to give blood sacrifices and things like that, manipulate the God into doing whatever what he, she wants to do. And maybe that's what he's trying to do. Scream, I have a need. Everyone listen, I've got the need. And this guy's supposed to be a miracle worker. He's supposed to be talking about this God who's merciful. I've got a need. Please help me. Trying to shame, was she trying to shame Jesus into doing what she wants? Did she really care about Jesus at all? She was saying the right words. Have mercy, son of David, Lord. But as a Canaanite woman, she had no of God. And according to the Holy Scriptures, Jesus Christ was silent. See, you need to understand, when you throw a tantrum at God, you're not going to get results. Hello? You cannot throw a tantrum at God, shout at Him, make demands on Him as if you're entitled. You cannot come to God with a sense of entitlement and think that you're going to get something from Him. Do you know why? The Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Hello? So when you come with a sense of entitlement before God, guess what? You're meeting God's resistance. <coughs> Hello? When you, need, you come before God, you need to understand the only reason why we have what we have, why we can even ask for what we need is because of His mercy. That's the only reason why we can even come before the presence of God Almighty. Uh, Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God who died on the cross for our sins, not for His sins. He never committed any sins. Okay? Bible says the wages of sin is death. 
Who's supposed to pay those wages? Us. But he paid it for us. Not because we deserve it, but because he had mercy on us. And that's the only reason why we can even come to God. And so when we come before God, we cannot come with an arrogant uh, attitude. We cannot come before with an, an attitude of entitlement. You know? But we come to Him with an attitude of humility. We humble ourselves before the God of the universe. The only reason why we're alive today is because He's a God of the universe and He created us. Amen? And so, Jesus was silent, number one. God doesn't respond to pride. God doesn't respond to arrogance. God doesn't respond to manipulating schemes. God doesn't respond to this thing. Secondly, Jesus understood his mission. The Bible says the gospel is the power of God to salvation to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. Jesus Christ understood his mission. He was to bring uh, the salvation of God to God's covenant people first, the Jews. Okay? Now, if he keeps on, now he's, he's helped many Gentiles already. But if he keeps on helping Gentiles, Another problem is going to come up. The Jews might think he was a Gentile lover. Okay? And if they think he's a Gentile lover, they would reject him and his ministry. And Jesus Christ wanted to give the Jews as much chance and opportunity as possible to receive the salvation of God. Okay? I mean, he was there. I mean, Jesus Christ came for the salvation of the entire world. But the doors to the salvation that we are entering in would only happen after he died and got resurrected and went to heaven. But during this time, he was trying to give them as much chance to receive what God said. Okay? So now we come to the second thought. Okay, it says here, our second thought is this. Faith with humility is how we respond to his mercy. Verse 24 uh, to 26. But he answered and said, Okay, so what happened here? She came screaming, shouting, uh, begging, pleading, demanding. I don't know, but she was very loud, and the Lord was very quiet. Very surprising for Jesus. Because he normally responds to people's needs, but he was he did not give her a word. Uh, the, the apostles, however, were they were kind of annoyed. The Lord sent her away. She's, uh, you know, annoying us, and she's creating a scene. You know. So, verse twenty-four. He answered finally and says, "I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel." Then she came and worshipped him, saying, "Lord, help me." Take note what happened here. I was not sent except to the lost sheep of Israel. Sent to the Jews first. Now she understood. I have no right. She changed her attitude. She said she came here and she what? Worshipped. Worshipped. From an attitude of demanding. From an attitude of manipulating. She understood. I have no rights whatsoever. 
I'm not even part of the lost sheep of Israel. The only reason I can receive something from him is for, is for the mercy of God. And now she worshipped. She worshipped the Lord. And you know, when you're reading the story, you're thinking, come on, Lord, give it to her. Give it to her, right? Reading the story, I, I, I was rooting for the lady, the underdog here. That he came and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. But then he answered and said this. It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Ow! <laughs> when I read that, it kind of hurt on the inside. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Did she just call him a dog? Did, she, did, did Jesus Christ just extinguish the last hope of this woman? No, he didn't. Because the word dog there, uh, from the Greek, uh, means a pet dog. I mean Tagalog. You know, if I called a dog Ascal, what does that mean to you? Stray dog, right? Dog of the streets, right? I'm not referring to the football team, okay? Alright? Ascal is a stray dog. Nobody owns a dog, it's not a pet. But if I talk about the dog and refer to the dog as Alaga, you understand that an alaga is somehow part of the family, right? The askal is not. The alaga is part of the family. As a matter of fact, during this particular time, you know, there are many people who keep animals in their farms. They might have cows. They might have sheep. They might have goats. But even though they are livestock, these animals, they're considered property, the master owns them, okay? But the alaga, the pet dog, yes, it's also property, but more than just a property, is also considered a family member, right? But when they eat at the table, family members feed the dog. Something they do not do to the cattle, to the sheep, to the other things. I mean, even the pet dog has rights and privileges that the other animals do not have. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus Christ was giving her hope because she called her an alaga. And, and, and basically, during those oriental times, there is a, an order of eating. During that time, uh, today, we're used to feeding together, sitting at the table together. But during that time, when you're going to have dinner, well, number one, the first priority, if the male adults ate. After the male adults ate, the parents ate. After the parents ate, then the adult females ate. After the adult females, the children ate. After the children, the servants ate. After the servants, then the pets. The part of the family. And uh, Jesus was telling her, just be patient. You're still part of the family. Okay? Just be patient. She gave her a clue. I'm not sending you away. Alright? And, and uh, you have a right to the children's bread. But let the children have it first, okay? 
And so now we come to the third principle, great faith perseveres in holding on to his unfailing mercies. Verse 27 says, and she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs, the pet dogs, not the street dogs, the pet dogs, they eat the crumbs which fall from her master's table. She understood her position. I understand that the only reason that I can eat from the master's table is because of the kindness of the family that is there. I may be a pet dog, but at least I'm still a member of the family. And she wasn't shouting anymore. She wasn't screaming anymore. She wasn't throwing a tantrum anymore. But she accepted her position with humility. She agreed with God. And when you're humble, your faith also will blossom. Because faith takes God at his word. Humility accepts the word of God, agrees with the word of God. You understand what I'm saying? And so she receives, and she said that answer, all right, I understand my position. I'm still part of it. Thank you. Then Jesus answered and said to her, Oh woman, great is your faith. She never gave up. See, great faith recognizes the goodness of God, the grace and the mercy of God. Great faith never surrenders, does not quit, because God's goodness never runs out. Great faith thanks God and appreciates, does not take for granted everything that he has done for us. Great faith worships God, gives God his rightful place, Great faith believes for the needs of others. She wasn't there for herself. She was there for her daughter. And finally, Jesus Christ said, great is your faith. Jesus also said the same word to somebody else, right? Who's that somebody? Cornelius, the centurion, right? No, not, not Cornelius, the centurion. Who was believing for a servant? Not, that's not Cornelius. Sorry, but that that centurion understood. He sent a messenger to uh, Jesus because his servant, who was a Jew, was sick. I mean, he cared for them. And uh, the the, the, the the messenger came to Jesus. And Jesus Christ says, "Okay, I'll come to the house." The centurion understood. You can't come to my house because my house is unclean. I understand that because I was having talks with the, with, with the Jews. And so he sends a messenger to him while he was on the way and says, you don't have to enter my house. All you have to say is, give us the word. All you have to do is say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus Christ said, whoa, great faith. He said, great faith to two people who are not even Jews, Gentiles. That gives us hope. You understand what I'm saying? This was a Canaanite woman. She was a stranger to the covenant of promise. But she believed and she accepted what the Lord said. And the Lord said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. You need to understand this, church. When we come to God, 
We need to understand He's God and not us. When we come to God, we need to understand we're not coming uh, towards someone who hates us. We're not coming towards someone who's irritated with us. We're not coming to someone uh, who's hesitant to even love and bless us. No, we're coming to a Father who loves us. A Father that according to Jesus, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He is predisposed, inclined to bless us. We're coming to a God who's merciful, good, kind, and gracious. And so when we come to Him, come to Him with faith. And if things don't happen quickly as you see it, don't give up. Hold on, because God is faithful. Amen? Amen if you learn something.